0: Psalm 103 is one of the most well-known psalms in the Bible, and there's a good reason for it. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the uh, gospel being, as the angels said, good news of great joy for everybody. That's a cool thing. It's good news. It brings great joy, and it's for everybody. Here's the deal. At the end, remember some of, some of us said, Lord, you need to fill me with that joy again. I need, a, I need a fresh dose of that joy. I need to get refilled. One of the things that I think the Lord brought up was that uh, sometimes you just got to choose it. Sometimes you just got to say it. You know, like David said, and we quoted this a couple weeks ago. But like David said, he, look, he looked at his soul and he said, soul, why are you so downcast within me? Why are you so downcast on oh my soul? What is the soul? From a biblical understanding, we've always, we've always said it this way, and I would agree with this, that the soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Today, we kind of get to that place where we are so led around by either our mind or our emotions that we forget that there's another option, that you can be led by the Spirit of God. That's the way you were created to live. And the Spirit of God leads you by your spirit. That spirit in you, that's that's the part of you that's really alive. The soul has got to be renewed. But the spirit was made new the moment you were born again. So easy to be led by what we feel at the time. That's being led around by your soul, your emotions. And we've gotten to the place where we think that's the king, that's the boss. If I feel this way, let me just be real and and just let, let me express how I feel. This is how I feel. And while I don't want you to go around faking it, I also want you to know that your soul is not the boss of you. Your emotions are not the boss of you. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it right, doesn't make it valid. Not every emotion is valid. Come on, how many times do you feel that way? I mean, there's, when there, you feel anger towards somebody, well, just because you feel it doesn't mean it should be there doesn't mean it's valid you say well I I just need to be I just need to be real I just need to be open God knows that I need to be me well you know what you need to be you but you're made in his likeness in him his image and the best thing you can do is find out who you are in him and if you feel that anger towards somebody that's not of God you need to tell the anger to shut up because that's not from him you say I don't have the right to do that anymore And this is what I did. I gave, I I said to myself, you no longer have the right to feel that way. Because when you give yourself the right to be angry, when you give yourself the right to to, to be depressed, when you give yourself the right, now you say, well, I mean, of course, who's not going to be depressed from time to time? There are things that will come against you that will bring that and try to to force you into a state of depression, try to force you into a a state of of melancholy and a state of discouragement. But you have to realize that there's a bigger truth than what you're feeling. What you're feeling is temporary. What you're feeling may not even be real. But his word is more real than anything you feel. I mean, come on, the, the scripture says... We walk by faith and not by sight. How many times did Jesus walk into a group of people that are mourning for somebody who's dead and he looks and he refuses to call them dead? There's a little girl that is dead. Jesus is not just really bad at science and says she's only sleeping. He knows that her heart stopped beating. He knows that her lungs stopped breathing air. He he knows that her circulation is gone. He knows that the body has quit. The brain has stopped. That that from now on, according to medical science, even if you could resuscitate this girl, she'd be damaged for the rest of her life. But he looks at her, and everybody says she's dead. And he goes, she's only asleep. It wasn't that Jesus just refused to you know, he was just too afraid to admit the truth, or he wasn't being real, or he was lying, or he was faking it. He knew there was a greater truth than what he saw with his eyes. And the greater truth was, he was the resurrection and the life. That he could breathe life into this girl. When Lazarus had been dead for four days, he said to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. We're going to go wake him up. And his disciples said, if he's just fallen asleep, he'll wake up on his own. They didn't want to go to Bethany. Bethany was right outside of Jerusalem, and that's their wanted men there. He's, they said, We don't want to go down there. If he's just asleep, he'll wake up. And Jesus says, I'll tell you plainly, I'll speak bluntly with you, he's dead. So Jesus taught them from, 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 you know, from the beginning of his ministry to the end that we don't just go by what we see. In the same sense, we don't just go by what we feel. And we think that's reality. Sometimes you've got to realize you're the boss of the soul. You get to tell the soul what to do. If this is an emotion that shouldn't be there, don't let it rule you. Say, no, you don't have a right to be here. I I should not feel this way right now. I'm not talking about some new age, you know, if, if I refuse to admit it's there, it won't be there. These are real things. You're dealing with real issues, but you serve a real God. This is not mind over matter. Because you know what mind, mind over matter is? You know when you say, I can if I just think positive thoughts, you know what you're still trying to do? You're still trying to conquer the soul with the soul. You're trying to conquer this one side of the soul with the other side of the soul. I'm not talking about just thinking positively, although that couldn't hurt. I'm talking about really letting the Spirit breathe life into you again. And here's what David says in Psalm 103. Verse 1, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. To bless means to speak good of, to say good things about. He says, bless the Lord. He doesn't say, bless the Lord, my mouth. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm imagining that this is probably one of those times. You see David do this more than once. This is one of those times where he has to speak to his soul. What a weird thing. Because we think our emotions are just who we are. I'm just, I'm just depressed right now. I'm just, I'm just put out right now. And you think that's, that's really who you are? David understands. My soul is a part of me. My soul's not evil. But my soul sometimes is like a kid and it needs to be corrected. It needs to be talked to. He says, "Bless the Lord, O oh my soul." Can you imagine that? That might be a time if you had to address your soul like that. That might have been a rough time in his life. I mean, think about it. When things are going real well, you don't have to tell yourself things like that. He's having to look inside. He's having to say, I mean, he must, I imagine, you know, he had plenty of times like this. You know, his father-in-law is trying to kill him. Uh, Later on in life, his own son forms a rebellion against him. His best friend joins his son in rebellion against him. Another point in life, his, 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 his baby boy dies because of something he did. Don't you imagine there might have been times in his life where he could have fallen to a deep depression? Instead, he says, stop it. He tells his soul what to do. Instead of letting the soul tell him what's real, tell, tell, instead of letting the soul tell him what's going on, he says, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And he says this, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He says, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. He has to say it again. He says, and forget none of his benefits. Because that's the problem is your soul can be forgetful. We can be forgetful. He says, you've forgotten what God is. You've forgotten what he does, who he is and what he does for you, what he has done for you. Forget. None of his benefits. As he begins to this, he he doesn't just leave it at that and say, Bless the Lord of my soul, forget none of his benefits. Okay, I did my job. I've said this so many times, you're probably tired of hearing it. But when we say praise the Lord, that's the beginning of it. That's not the only thing you say. When we say, Everybody praise the Lord, you don't go, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Because praising the Lord means to speak good of the Lord. So if I say praise the Lord, you got to come up with something good to say about God. The example we've used, and I'll use it again, is you know if I say to Josh, talk to Josh. If you say, you say talk to Josh, and I go up to Josh and go, Josh, talking to you, man, talking to you, talking to good things about you, Josh. Good things. I got good things to say about you, man. I got good things to say about this guy. Good things, man. I, I I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you all the time. I'll talk to you loudly. I'll talk to you softly, Josh. I'll talk to you happy, and I'll talk to you seriously, Josh. But at some point, i got to talk to Josh, <laughs> not just talk about talking to Josh. So praise the Lord. I, I like starting out with praise the Lord. Sometimes you're telling yourself, praise the Lord. Then start praising the Lord. What do I have to say about God? What good things do I have to say about Him? Maybe he's done some things that I might be happy to talk about. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he begins to do exactly what he says. He says, Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Those are cool, wonderful, big things. When you read that and remind yourself, man, I didn't know how good God was until I heard somebody else talk about him. Then he just goes off. The, The well has been tapped. The floodgates are open. Now he just starts going off. And he doesn't just... I mean, sometimes you got to talk, what has God done for me lately? You know, that's kind of the way we think. Oh, you're good, but what are you doing for me lately? Well, God has done so many good things for you lately. But if he hadn't done anything for you since since the cross and the resurrection, you'd still have a ton of things to talk about. But he goes and he says, well, this is all the things he does for you. Then he just goes off and he begins to talk about, he just goes into history mode and he says, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments. For all who were oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. So you see what he's doing. He's saying God could have squished me like a bug, and he would have had the right to do it, but he hasn't. Not only that, but he didn't just stop at not killing me, which would have been more than enough. But he is, he's done all these wonderful things, and he says as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his loving kindness is towards us towards those who fear him. In verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from, from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord. Is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant. And remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. And his sovereignty rules over all. Do you see what has happened in his conversation? It starts out small with the sphere that's a, just the things that are concerning him. He heals your iniquities. He redeems your life from the pit. Crowns your years your, your with loving kindness. He, he's talking about this, and then he begins to, to broaden. It says, this is what he's done for us. This is all the things he's done for, our, for us and our people, for humanity. And then he gets bigger. And he says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. Because here's what happens when you are continually obsessed with what your soul's telling you to feel. You are self focused. You're focusing on what I feel right now, what's going on with me right now, all the things that I am or that I'm not. But he begins to say, God, who are you? Who are you? When it comes to my life, who are you when it comes to my people? And then, he's, and then he's just, all of a sudden, he's turned his eyes to God, and his vision just gets bigger, and he says, God, you've established the heavens. You sit on a throne in the heavens. Your sovereignty rules over all. All of a sudden, he's thinking big. He's not thinking about himself and how pathetic he is anymore. Now he's thinking about God and the greatness of our God and how it relates to him. Now that he's got his pump prime, and he's so, he's so big into this now, he's not just content saying, soul, bless the Lord. Now he's like, I need help, because in the process of this, I figured out God's better than I remembered. So help me out here, he says in verse 20, he says, bless the Lord, you his angels, Help me out, angels. I'm not doing a good enough job. I mean, I started out just thinking, man, my life is rough. Sometimes I forget that God's around. But now I remember how great he is. And and now it's not enough that I say it. He's like, angels, help me out. Bless the Lord, you his angels. Mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him doing as well. Then Then he goes on and goes, angels aren't enough. Angels aren't enough. They're not doing the trick. Bless the Lord, you his works. What what is he talking about? He's talking to creation. He's screaming at mountains now. He's talking to rivers. He's talking to animals. He's like, hey, everybody, join in. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all the places of his dominion. Then he goes back and he goes right back where he started. He says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You just saw, you just witnessed the journey from a guy who's just stuck in his own little world, who's very, very likely depressed, very likely down and discouraged. And you watched his method of starting out in that place and ending up in a place where he's practically jumping around like, you know, like Snow White in the forest, telling, telling the birds to start, start praising the Lord like talking to mushrooms, like, get up, you're not loud enough, you know? I mean, this is this is the transformation in one song that's taken place in this man. The soul is forgetful. The soul is prone to forget what God has done. You must remind yourself who the Lord is, what He's done, and what He's yet to do. That place of depression is not your home. That place of discouragement is not your home. The place of anger is not your home. The place of of melancholy, the place of apathetic, just, just I don't care what's going on, that's not your home. You're meant to be just thrilled with who God is. Thrilled with what He's doing, what He's done and what He's yet to do. You have to remind yourself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, soul, stop forgetting what he's done. We forget that we have a choice. Now, I'm not saying that what you're going through is not real. I'm not saying that what you're going through is not valid to to a point. But you've got to hold its validity up against the Word of God and say, the reason I'm so feeling this way is because right now that's all I can see. Right now it's all I can think about. You ever think back at the end of a year, and you think about all the things that you thought were a big deal at the time. The things you thought you'd never get over. I mean, it could have been something that lasted three days, but it seemed like it had been going on forever talking to a friend of mine that, that worked at a pet shop as a teenager. I said, isn't it cool that goldfish, you know, they, they, they just, they're just so forgetful, you know, that they just kind of go through the tank constantly thinking, I found new ocean, I found new ocean, you know. They don't even know that they're in captivity because their, their memory is so short that they're just like, wow, a new spot, you know, and they're just, they're happy. See, I was a glass half full kind of guy. The friend that I was talking to was very much a glass half empty kind of guy. He goes, yeah, but then when they're dying, they think they've been dying all their life. (laughs) I was like, well, that is one way to look at it. Thanks, man. You ever feel that way, though? When you're in the middle of something, you feel like this is going to go on forever. Or I've been dealing with this forever. Part of the enemy's plan is to get you so buried in self-focus and self-depression just and discouragement that you can't see outside of that. But really, the best thing we can do is take some steps back and see the big picture. See God, how huge He is, how small everything is compared to Him. The fact that He's on your side, the fact that He loves you. The fact that look at what he's done already up to this point. Look what he's going to do. That's why David says, hey soul, bless the Lord. Sometimes, I, you know, we forget that we get to call the shots there. We, we, feel, like, we feel like, you know, whatever, whatever the soul DJ, whatever my little emotional DJ is, is playing, that's what I got to listen to. That's what's going on in my life right now. Did you know you can say, no, nope, not going down that road? You do know that because you've done that. Everybody's done that. Everybody's chosen and made a choice. No, I'm not going to go down that road. No, I'm not, I'm not going there. Have you ever said that? Somebody says something to you and it just, just, just messes with you the wrong way and you say, ah, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Because you could. And then you go in this weird little spiral where you're rehearsing conversations in front of your mirror of what you'd say to them, you know. And then when you actually do talk to them, it's really it's really weak compared to that, unless you're just one of those people that's louder than than louder in public than you are in private. But most people just you know they're they're pacing around their room and going oh and, and they do the other person's side of the conversation. <laughs> And the other person never sticks up for themselves when they, when they do their part, right? And you're like, oh, 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 and they do their side. Mih-n-h! And then you go, duh, 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 and you're walking around. And, you know, before you know it, you're deeper and you're deeper into that. And the bitterness has gotten deeper and deeper inside of you. You can say right at the beginning, I'm not going there. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not, we're, we're not having this conversation. You got the choice. You can start feeling sorry for yourself or you can say right at the beginning, I'm not going there. You know, the best thing you can do instead of trying to fight thoughts with thoughts is to open your mouth and say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. What do I have to bless the Lord about? All right, let's start at the beginning. Who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who, I mean, just go through the list. If you have to borrow his list, that's okay. You know, you got a better deal than he had. Because remember, he says he won't be angry with us forever. We're on the other side of that deal where Jesus took the wrath of God. I mean, David was right, but he was talking about our day. So you got a better deal than David had. You can borrow his list, but your list is even better. Forgetfulness is a problem. 2014's coming up, and uh, you know some things in 2013 you'd rather forget. There's other things you've got to make yourself remember. There's a forgetfulness that comes... In good times, and there's a forgetfulness that comes in hard times. You forget in a different way, but they both yield the same sort of result at the end. The Israelites are a great example of that. Do you remember when things were rough for the Israelites? When things were hard for them? I mean, God did so many amazing things in a period of of just a short period of time, the Lord did so many mighty works in Egypt that the Pharaoh was brought to his knees. Egypt at the time was one of the most powerful empires on the earth, one of the most powerful empires in the world. And that powerful empire was brought to its knees by a bunch of slaves because their God did such mighty works. Only a little while later, they've forgotten that. By the time he brings them to the promised land. You see, most of the time, when we think about the Israelites, we think about them wandering in the desert for 40 years, the wilderness for 40 years. But, you know, it wasn't that far from Egypt to the promised land. Didn't take them that long to get there. God did some awesome things on the way. But by the time they got there, they already forgot the great things God had done. They already forgot it. And every time, I mean, like he caused water to come out of the rock. He caused food to fall from heaven. And every time, I mean, they get to a certain place and they forget and they start to grumble. And they say, oh God, if you brought us? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Why'd you bring us out here to die? And they forget all the things he did for them. All the things he said to them. That forgetfulness caused them to be so depressed and discouraged and fearful. And in the end, that that fear... And that distrust always led to rebellion. Those are the seeds of rebellion in your own heart. You may not know it. You may think it's okay. I'm just feeling sorry for myself. Doesn't hurt anybody. What it it is, is you are hardening yourself towards the works of God. You're forgetting what He's done. You are disregarding His promises of what He is yet to do. And those are the seeds of rebellion in your own heart. It's what happened every time to the Israelites. Every time they forgot what God had done. And they started getting discouraged and distrusting of the Lord and unbelieving. It always led to a riot. And a chunk of the times when they rioted, they paid the price. God was merciful. God was compassionate. But they paid the price for their own unbelief. You got to know when you let that in, you may think it's harmless. Who am I hurting? Feels good to feel sorry for myself a little bit. Feels good to get a little anger out. You know, I'm not hurt. I'm not acting on it, you might say. But let me just play it. Let me just think these thoughts for a while. Feels good to just feel sorry. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of just acting like everything's okay. Nobody's telling you to pretend everything's okay. What I'm telling you is to acknowledge the reality of a God that's bigger. I'm not asking you to pretend nothing's wrong. Abraham, it says, he looked, he considered his body, which was as good as dead, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, in res- with respect, with respect to the promises of God, he wavered not in unbelief, but grew strong in the faith, giving glory to God. So that is a key right there. Abraham didn't say, there's, uh, there's no such thing as old age. There's, I mean, Sarah has always been able to have kids. I'm, I've always, been. he didn't pretend there wasn't a problem. He said, no, the promises of God are bigger than my problem. Remember, it says, he said, God is able to give, he says, God is able to call things in existence that, that, that don't exist. So if he's able to do that, he's able to allow me to to, to have seed in my body and my my wife to have an egg that that seed can go in. That's as in detail as we're going because the kids are upstairs. (laughs) That's probably as deep as we'd go anyways, thank God. David didn't go into the the field and go, there's no such thing as giants. There's no such thing as giants. Giants don't exist. If you don't believe in them, they don't exist. No, there is a giant. He's right there. But he goes, that guy's uncircumcised. He's got no covenant with God. We have a covenant with God. He doesn't. Rock beats scissors. We beat him. That's the way it works. It doesn't say, Mm-mm, you're not real, you're not real, you're not real. In the name of Jesus, no, no giants exist, no giants exist. You may think that's faith. That's not faith. That's denial. Faith is not denial. Faith is acknowledging something greater. You break your arm and you go around saying you're healed. That's faith. You go break your arm going around saying, I don't have a broken arm. Or, you know, I never broke my arm. That didn't happen. That's denial. Do you see the difference? You did break your arm. But there's something bigger than your broken arm. By his stripes you were healed. The resurrection and life of Jesus dwells in you. It's able to make alive your mortal body. He's able to... Physically bring healing back to your bones. That's the God we serve. So going around saying, there's no such thing as broken arms. That's not true. But you can say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And that is true. Somebody say, you're clearly not healed. You look sick. And you go, there's a reality that you can't see. Which is, he's already paid the price for my healing. So as far as I'm, I'm concerned, the check is in my hand and he's good for it. I'm healed. That's a greater truth. So forgetfulness, as you see with the Israelites, can, can come in a time of hardship. In a time of hardship, you begin to forget the Lord your God. You forget what he's done. You forget, like, like the disciples in the boat who realize they're out of bread, only hours since they left the shore and Jesus had multiplied bread for thousands of people. Then they go, oh, we're out of bread. I wonder what we'll do. And the Lord says to them the first time when there are 5,000 people, how many loaves did we have? How many loaves were left over? How many baskets full were left over? And they tell him. Then he goes, the second time, when I fed the 4,000, how many did we have? How many was left over? And then he says, do you not remember? Have you hardened your heart? Because a hardened heart will cause you to be forgetful of what God has done. So in a time of scarcity, a time when you're doing without, it's easy to forget that God is the one that's always provided for you in the past. He'll do it again. You need to remember that. You need to remember when sickness comes knocking at your door that the Lord has healed you before. He'll do it again. You need to remember that when when the bills just seem to be bigger than, than the income, you've got to remember He's provided for me when there seemed to be no way before. He'll do it again you got to remember these things when your marriage is on the rocks and you said, well, you know what? It's never been this bad. It probably has been this bad. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. Or if he did it in someone else's life, he can do it in mine. But then look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Forgetfulness also comes in a time where you have a lot. It doesn't just come in hard times. It comes easily in times of abundance if you'll let it, but you shouldn't let it. He says this in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's really making sure they don't forget this stuff, isn't he? He says, then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you Great and splendid cities, which you did not build. Houses full of good things, which you did not fill. And hewn cisterns, which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. And you eat and are satisfied. What's the point here? You think you did this. You think this is your stuff. But you didn't build those cities. You didn't plant those vineyards. You didn't dig those wells. The Lord did it for you. The Lord provided for you. And you've got to remember that. He says, then when you get all this stuff and you start eating and are satisfied, he says, then watch yourself. That's God being honest with you, straight with you. Watch yourself. Do You ever hear somebody say, watch yourself? You start paying a little bit more attention, start being a little bit more careful. Watch yourself now. The Lord is the one here that's saying, watch yourself. He says, watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery you shall fear only the lord your god and you shall worship him and swear by his name you shall not follow other gods any of the gods of the people who surround you for the lord your god is in the midst of you is a jealous god otherwise the anger of the lord your god will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth well thank god we're in the new covenant and that's not hanging over your head <laughs> that he'd wipe you off the face of the earth but it doesn't mean you shouldn't watch yourself as well what does he say? What did, does he say, watch yourself that, uh, watch yourself that, that you realize the Lord took care of you for a while, but now it's your turn. That's not what he says. He says, watch yourself that when you have all this stuff, you don't forget. You don't forget the Lord. He gave you this stuff to start with. Because it's easy to start making these things your, your provider now. Now that I've got, see, in, in, in the wilderness, they had manna that fell from heaven. You and, and if you kept it for more than one day, if you tried to gather enough for more than one day, except on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, if you tried to gather up for more than one day, it would rot. So they had to depend on God every day. And they got frustrated with that. But they had to depend on God. If it didn't fall from the sky, we're not eating. Or not necessarily fall from the sky, it would just appear on the ground. But at the same time, when they get to the promised land, the Lord has provided you these vineyards. The Lord's provided for you this farmland. The Lord's provided for you these animals. And you could easily start to think, yeah, but I'm the one planting the seed. I'm the one who waters it. I, I mean, I'm the one who goes out and harvests it. Now I'm doing, God took care of us in the wilderness. He, he gave us manna, but now we're taking care of ourselves. And that's not true. When you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're trusting the Lord and you're saying, God, God, I know you're my source and I know that, that you're able to provide. And it's just every week you're trusting God. Sometimes it's, it's easy once you start making a bigger paycheck, you get that promotion at work, and all of a sudden the Lord's the one that gave you that. He puts you in that position. And then all of a sudden you're making all this money and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to sit back a little bit. You're no longer, you're no longer you know, pressing in in faith. You're no longer really, really putting out and trusting the Lord. Instead, you're saying, you know what? I'm comfortable now. When you get to that place, you got to remember it's the Lord who gave you all that stuff. He's the one. Don't forget God. Because As fast as that stuff came, it can go away. He's the one that's giving you all this stuff. And it talks... In Ezekiel, which is interesting, it speaks of Sodom and Gomorrah. And If I were to ask you what the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was, we'd all have our answers. Do you know one of the original sins? According to the God speaking through the prophet, they had a lot of food to eat and they got proud. Isn't that weird? You ever think about that? We think the whole problem was that they were perverts or they were, you know, trying to, trying to rape people and kill people. But all of that sprung out of the fact that they did so well, they started trusting in themselves instead of trusting in God. God is not against you doing well. But you've got to remember that He's the one that's providing. He's the one that's doing this. If you forget that, you'll lose everything. You might keep your stuff, but you'll lose everything. I believe that the Lord is finding many of you to be trustworthy to the point where he's bringing more into your life so that you can be a blessing to more and more people. But in that place of abundance, do not forget the Lord your God. Oh, what a shame. What a shame when people who, when they struggled, they relied on God, and the minute they start doing well, you don't see them in church anymore. You don't see them around, too busy taking trips everywhere, taking their quads and snowmobiles out. And all the stuff that God brought them has now become their God. Or the Lord gave them a good job. The job soon becomes their Lord. And they're always at the job. That's the new thing. They forget it's the Lord that brought you there. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget none of His benefits. A forgetful heart is an unbelieving heart. A forgetful heart is a fearful heart. A forgetful heart is a rebellious heart. You've got to remind yourself of these things. Now, he told them, stick it up on your walls, put it on your doorposts. It may be corny. You may think it's corny that you go to somebody's house and they've got scriptures everywhere. But at least they're putting that stuff in front of their eyes. It's not corny. They're putting stuff in front of their eyes that they're remembering this is what the Lord did. If you put it on your phone, so every time you turn on your phone, you see, you see a word that the Lord, you know, a, a scripture that the Lord has given you, or, you know, whatever, or a reminder of what He's done. Every time you look at a picture of your family, you say, that's, that's what the Lord did. When you do these things and you remind yourself, you know, he told the Israelites to build these monuments out of rocks. So every time they go by it, it said, when you bring your kids by, and they go, Dad, what do these rocks mean? He, you can tell them what the Lord has done. You need to build memorials in your life. You need to remind yourself and, and not allow yourself to be forgetful. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. When you're in that place where you see nothing but the problem, where you see nothing but the discouragement, where you see nothing but the the issue at hand, that's when you need to step back and go, Saul, why are you downcast? Bless the Lord. Stop it. We have to tell our little Moses, we have to tell him no sometimes. And sometimes he doesn't like to be told no. But he's learning this valuable lesson in life. And it's very difficult for a toddler to learn this. But you're not the king. (laughs) You don't get to touch whatever you want to touch. And it's for his good. We we teach him these things so that he won't die. You know what I mean? If If you just let your kids get away with everything, you're not loving that child. And so you tell them, you set boundaries for them. In the same way, sometimes you got to set boundaries for your soul and go, no. No. Stop it. That's not right. It's the way I feel. It's right. I just got to tell you how I feel. No, you don't. Because your feelings aren't God. Your feelings aren't automatically right. Oh, yes, they are. I got to go with my gut. Your gut's not always right. I mean, come on. I mean, the Holy Spirit and your gut are not the same thing. Right? It's just the way I feel. I just need to tell you how I feel. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you need to communicate that. I know in marriage you need to communicate. This is how I'm feeling. But there's, a, there's times where you go, the feeling's not valid. You know what I mean? It does nobody any good for you to open your mouth and, 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 and put a stamp of approval on that feeling. There's times where you need to communicate. I'm, I'm a fan of communication. I believe in it. But there's other times where you're thinking something so stupid, you just need to stop thinking it. You know, I just, right now, I just want to kill them. <laughs> I was told that communication is key, so I need to tell you this. <laughs> I just have to tell you, I want you to die a painful death. I just want to be open and honest. Let's have a dialogue. That's not a valid emotion. There's times where you just like say, get behind me, Satan, that's not right. I mean, just off on a tangent. Sometimes, guys, I know in church we're we're a family, we love each other, but you don't always have to tell everybody what you think about them. And and sometimes you, you feel bad for how you thought about him, and the Lord corrected you, and you don't have to go repent for every little thing you thought about him. So you don't go, I need to apologize to you. <sighs> I sit behind you every day, and I just, the thoughts going on in my head were that you stink badly. I mean, I don't know what it is, and that your voice is terrible. And, and I've been thinking about that you, and the Lord corrected me. And I just, I've just been disliking you consistently. And the Lord corrected me. I've just been thinking you're stupid, really, that you have a low IQ. That's something I've thought all... Since I met you, I thought you've got the lowest IQ. You, I can't believe you don't live in a special home. Like, this is what I've been thinking. But you know what? I've come to you to repent to you right now. Just, just sometimes just say, no, that's a wrong feeling. I shouldn't think that. And I don't need to tell you I felt that about you. Because what I'm doing is I'm I'm taking, I'm feeling great because I've unloaded my backpack and I've put it on your back now. You carry that around. Sometimes you just got to say, it's not valid. That's a lie from the enemy. Lies from the enemies don't need to be repeated all the time. Just need to say, shut up. Now, if you mistreated somebody, if you mistreated them, go to them and repent. Right? I'm not talking about just thoughts, but you did. if you talk to somebody badly, if you mistreated them, if you talked about them, then you don't just go to them. You go to every person you talk badly about them, and you fix it. That's the worst, isn't it? When, when you like talk bad about somebody to like 10 people, and then you go to them and go, I'm sorry, I talked bad about you, and then you go home and you think you're done. Meanwhile, those 10 people are going around still believing what you told them. You go back, you fix it. You go fix it with this person. But I'm talking about those feelings that you felt. They're not all valid. Most of them aren't. You've got to know what's valid and what's not. How do you know? You hold it up against the Word. The Bible says the Word of God is a sharp sword. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart. It's able to split between bone and marrow, between the soul and the spirit. So you need to know what just came out of my soul and what came out of my spirit. And the stuff that came out of your spirit to your soul is life-giving. And the stuff that just came out of your soul that's just just emotion, just, just extra stuff... You need to deal with it, with the Lord, with someone else if that's what needs to happen. But you need to deal with it. And if it's not valid, give it no place. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. What a discipline. You should be able to do this every day. Every day, what a powerful thing. Start your day talking about the goodness of the Lord. This is not just something I'm saying from the pulpit, just some fancy pastor thing. I'm saying it for real. I would really like you to do this Monday. Like, I'm not not spinning fairy tales up, up there like, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all lived in peace and there were no wars anymore? I'm being real. Tomorrow, wake up and start saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget none of his benefits. Let me remind you what the Lord has done. Because when David did it, he started out talking about him, what God had done for him. It got got too big for him to handle. He starts talking about what God has done for his people. Gets too big for that, what God has done in creation. Gets too big for him to talk about, he says, angels, help me out. Gets too big for him and angels, he says, creation, help me out. That's the natural progression when you choose to rejoice in the Lord. Why do you think the scripture says rejoice in the Lord? Again, I say rejoice. We think joy is something that just happens to us when things work out. Joy is a choice. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of God, but you choose it. You need to choose it. Amen. Let's stand up today. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of His benefits. Lord, You have pardoned our iniquities. You've healed all our diseases. You've redeemed our life from the pit. You satisfy our years with good things. You renew our youth like the eagle. Oh, Lord, your mercy, your loving kindness has overflowed, overshadowed, just, just totally drenched us in goodness. Forgive us, Lord, for our hearts that forget when we forget the Lord our God. In the times of trouble when we forget that you are our deliverer in the times of abundance when we forget that you are our provider. Forgive us, Lord, and we repent if we've ever been in that place where our heart has strayed from, through forgetfulness. But Lord, renew, renew in us, renew in us the memorial and the, and the knowledge of how good you are, that it be on our lips at all times. As the scripture says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Forgive us, Lord, for when we've hidden your goodness from our children. When we've hidden what you've done from, our, from the next generation. And have failed to tell them what you've done and who you are. Lord, remind us that we are a people that are forgiven. We are a people that are redeemed. We don't live on our past. We don't live in our mistakes. We've moved on, and now we look to the future, and we say, God, you crown the year with goodness. As much as we look to the future, we also look behind and say, the Lord has been good to us. For he has done great things for us. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you're so good to us. I want just to speak to all of you who feel like you've you've been out of control, like you've been uh, blown around by every wind and wave, that your emotions have ruled when you felt they shouldn't rule. For you who have said, I I don't want to go down this path, but it seems that when this happens, I just lose control. I just go down that. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak strength to your spirit. Strength to your spirit. Be strengthened in the inner man. That it would be stronger than the pull of your flesh and stronger than the pull of your emotions and your soul that your heart would turn to the Lord. And For those of you that have been depressed, the Lord cares for you. And there's not one thing that you're going through that He hasn't already been through. He is able to take hold of you. He is able to rescue you and redeem you. So if you've been stuck in depression, I call you free in Jesus' name. Come out of it. Come out of it in the name of Jesus. By the grace of God, walk free from the chains, the shackles, the weight of that depression. If there's an imbalance in your mind, if there's a chemical imbalance in your brain, we speak life in the name of Jesus and call it back into order in Jesus' name. That your brain will produce the proper amounts of the right chemicals at the right time and will come into line with the Word of God in Jesus' name. It will respond to the life in your spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are our strength in times of trouble. You are our fortress in times of abundance. We... Turn to you. We trust in you. There is no other name. There is no other name that we turn to. There's no other name that we run to. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous will run into it and are saved. We run to your name as those that are righteous. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. We should sing together. Can we sing together now? Can you come up? Let's just sing. We're going to just sing a, a song of praise to the Lord. If that's okay with you, I think there's a, there's a good thing about singing. Do you know when, when David wrote all these psalms, they were, they were not poems. They're songs. And he wrote these songs to himself. From the, I mean, they were from the Spirit of God, but as he wrote them, he was reminding himself, you know sometimes these songs come in um, sometimes these songs come in uh, at, the, at the strangest times, and they just come out of you at the right time and um, it 's it's the funniest thing, but they, they come out when you least expect them. They come out when you think that you 've got nothing to sing about. God gives you a song, a new song in your heart.
1: hmm <laughs> And there is none that I. let Your Lord, worship Your holy name, Lord. I worship Your holy name.
0: We bless your name. You've been good to us in every way imaginable. We thank you for all your goodness, for all the things that you've done. Lord, keep our heart remembering the goodness of God. In light of your faithfulness, in light of your mercy, in light of your loving kindness. May we never forget it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We love you very much.